It's the Should Have Backed It podcast. On a day when many short price favourites went down, Incentivised emerged as a star of the turf at its Victorian debut, winning a thrilling edition of the Maccabi Diva Stakes. To talk us through a big day of racing at Flemington and Kembla Grange is Australia's number one tipster and form analyst, Chris Venuccio. Welcome back to the podcast, Big V. Uh, Incentivise is now the favourite for the Caulfield Cup and the Melbourne Cup. Is that justified after yesterday's run? Uh, thanks, Phil. Good to do another podcast. I think Incentivise was the Melbourne Cup and Caulfield Cup favourite before he won the Maccabi Diva. I think his <laughs> price might have just tightened a, a little bit more. Don't tell me that, mate. I've, I've come off the top with a big question. Are you telling me it was already the case? I think he was already the Cup's favourite. and He's just, just solidified his spot up at the top of the market and so he, so he should because I doubted, uh, not so much doubted, I, I had the Maccabi Diva as a, as a racing two between Mwanga and Incentivise and I was prepared to take on Tefani because I did think that you know she had a she had a chance to win in the, the Memzi Stakes. I don't think she had too many excuses and she was going up to 1600 for the first time as well even though she has a good second up record. So I thought it was between Incentivise and Mwanga and I just thought whether... Yeah, how wound up is a Melbourne Cup favourite going to be first up 1,600, particularly in a Group 1 at Wait for Age? So I sided with Mwanga, and at one stage I thought, you know, he was going to win. Jai McNeil couldn't have ridden him any better from the wide barrier, got him into a good spot. I thought he had to be somewhere closer in the run if he was going to win, and he did that. I just think Mwanga just hit a flat spot somewhere between... You know, the 500 to the 400, and just ran out of time to catch incentivise. Yeah, I think there's a few horses we can take out of that race, and we can touch on that in a second, Big V. But it was a race, um, a rare occurrence where we weren't in agreement on who would win this one, and we'd had a little bit of banter during the week about incentivise price, which I think got into around $3.70 at one point, and it may have even started at that price. But I did jump in myself, mate, on it. I just... Well, I did. I couldn't. I couldn't un, unsee the the wins up there in Queensland, twelve lengths and some really big wins, and thought, yeah, it's got to be. A, it's got to be a big show in this Group One. And Gima Wunga was game as was Sir Dragon A eh, coming at them late. And there's a couple there to follow, I'd say. Yeah, big improvement from Sir Dragon A off his autumn form. I want to see him do it again. Um, you know, sometimes they can do it one off, and you and with stayers first up, they can show a bit of dash. So. Big, Interesting to see. Well, the key is, can he do it second up, third up, and see where he goes? It's a funny, not too sure about her. I mean, she, I mean, she finished fourth in the end, so nothing to be disgraced about. But I'm just um, thinking maybe you know, getting up in distance there might be better chances than her. And as and as I mentioned before with Mwanga, you go to the the Japanese horse Ka Nautique. There wasn't much between. Him and Mwanga first up in the wing stakes, but I think the difference here is Mwanga's gone forward, tried to find a spot closer in the run, and Ka Nortik has gone back and settled last. And you know there wasn't much between them in the wing stakes here. There's four a four length gap, so I think that just shows the difference of you know positioning in the run. And you know John Neil tried to do something with Mwanga. I was hoping he was going to do that. He was just done unfortunate. And I thought the disappointment was Aegon as well. He was on speed and really weakened late, so not too sure about where Aegon's going now. 
Yeah, the race shape really did favour those on-speed runners. Obviously, incentivised, set the pace, and was managed to, I think, run at a pretty uh, um, dawdling sort of pace. Not slow, obviously, for a Group One, but certainly not under too much pressure. And when you could see Tafane there sitting second, not really a horse that generally leads, you knew it wasn't going to be a real hard pace. And I must say, I was impressed by incentivizers will to win as well. Tafane really eyeballed it in the straight and probably looked like it was going to be the winner. Uh, but incentivized really dug in. And I think for Tafane, uh, look, maybe not a 1,600 weight for age horse over in a Group 1 setting, but certainly um, not one I'd be jumping off. I think they're worth having a crack and see if she could get there. And fourth certainly wasn't a disgrace. Um, I mean, obviously, there's a few other horses in behind. You've mentioned a couple already. Any others that were sort of, you know, standouts for you, Big V? A lot of these will be moving forward into some of the, the distance races over the spring and perhaps yeah, weren't wound up for this one. Yeah, I might have to watch the race uh, again and have a look because you, you want to see a bit more from Mount Popper, Explosive Jack, but 1,600 wouldn't have suited them. So I think it's vital how they start to progressing from here, stepping up in distance, and maybe Colette as well. I want to have a look at Colette again. and I think they're the three horses because they'll be better up in distance. Just I want to have a look at their runs again. Yeah, no, that's fair enough, Big V. Now... Uh, another big race down there at Flemington uh, was the Bobby Lewis, which was won by Spintex and quite a nice little uh, price there at around $13. But our should have sacked it horse is uh, the same one this week, which is unusual for us, Big V, but we've we've jumped on the same bum steer and it was Jonker there, who did start favourite about $4.80, but really never looked completely comfortable going up the straight at Flemington. Yeah, I might... Oh, I'm not too sure how to whether I disagree or agree with you there because I thought in the run he was he was looking good. I, I even thought maybe at the 400, he might. I, I was thinking, geez, he's travelling and he's got a gap on the rest of the field. He might big by he, he might win by a space, but in the end, he's just really weakened that last 100, 200. So maybe Damien Lane, who by the way had a outstanding day maybe he just mis- misjudged the the speed on John Cup because you know he had a decent margin on the rest of the field in the run maybe he's just gone a, a bit too hard yeah it did, it did look to be traveling at about the 500 but sometimes horses that look like that are the ones first ones beaten and yeah. I just got the sense it was looking for the rail there and it was drawn on the inside which probably helped it find the rail but you know, I just feel like sometimes they get a bit lost. But you did have a lot of other horses in that race. Your Zoo Tories of the world were really proven straight horses, the astrologist. Uh, so there was probably other better bets, and I think that's probably why we both have it is our should have sacked it horse yeah. because but, you're not getting a great price about an unknown. Yeah, I think I was disappointed on the whole by John Carr because since he's gone to Tony Golden, he's produced some really big performances. The only real disappointment he had was in the galaxy on a heavy track when he was beaten six lengths by Eduardo but even when he ran in the Kingsford Smith he had to set back going to the Doom and 10,000 and then was running at 1300 and only beaten half a length so I I was disappointed with the result by Jonker whether he didn't handle the straight we'll see how he goes next start but I was expecting more from him. For sure. And a horse that you uh, you didn't back, Big V, and, and one that I, I almost fell off my chair when you told me this, Big V, your should have backed it horse for this week was in the Let's Elope Stakes, and it was Turath. Now, 
uh, avid listeners of the podcast will know that you were on this horse at a dollar sixty a couple last start, and uh, didn't want to take the five dollars this time around, mate. No, and I tipped it on top as well, and it was a low confidence race, and I, I just thought, you know, there's a, it's a, you know stepping up in grades, going to be more pressure. You know, can he do what he did? Can she do what she did last start? You know, she was eyeballed last start and was still showed her toughness to win. But this is a different class she was up against. Now, I think she, she missed the start and was posted three wide. So she didn't lead on this occasion and she still won by a space. So it was a big performance. You know, maybe I should have just followed up and stuck with her. But you, you had a field here, you know, with instant celebrity... Zoo Dancer, and a couple of horses first up. No, not sure what they were going to do, like Mystic Journey and Still a Star. So I thought the, the, there was a lot more depth in this race. And I thought, although I, I had her on top, there's low confidence because, you know, I thought there would be there was about four, five, six chances in this race. Uh, just on Instant Celebrity, obviously went around the favourite, Big V, so you'll, you'll want a steward's report as to why it didn't quite get the job done there. But... In all seriousness, what what did you make of the run, and will uh will you be following it moving forward, or did we a bit disappointed? Personally, I thought it was a bit of a plain run. I know it was first up, but it had the back of Mystic Journey, and to be honest, Mystic Journey uh, gave it a gave it a bit of a run for its money. It went right away from it. Yeah, it was second up. It ran third behind Probability. Oh, of course, yeah. But um, I think the wide barrier went back. Yeah, I think um, yeah, I. I I was expecting a, a lot more from her, but I was. Uh, she's. Uh, I don't, not too sure. I think you could, she's a horse that you've got to see again because if she's draw, if she draws wide, she's going to get back in the field. So she probably needs to draw a gate and find a spot. You know, maybe. You know, maybe I think that's probably the key with her is trying to find a gate. I mean, in the end, she's only been beaten, you know, two and a quarter lengths, and she was, you know. 12th in the run so I think maybe she's just given you know too big a task yeah perhaps as I said off the back of Mystic Journey you end up running second by the way I don't know how that horse is going around at $14 in these types of races so um, if you manage to go each way on her you you've done well and you might find that she's in my horses to follow later on in the podcast Big V but I'd probably say the disappointment from that race was Zoo Dancer because it's a Mm. bit of a spruik about her and and there has been a spruik about her since her vanity win back in February. She won that by five lengths, but I think she's underperformed since then and it might be one to put in the sack fold as well until we see a bit of consistency from her. Well, uh, speaking of perhaps a sack fold, and I'm probably not Big V, but we had a number of shorties beaten earlier in the card and I think one of our fellow members of our punters club pointed out that everyone in the country had a, a all-up multi of Astorius all-up ingratiating Ayrton, and not one of the three ended up getting up, mate. Some of them starting at a dollar fifty. Yeah, it was surprising to see all three get rolled. I mean, usually when you have those three-leg multis, which I try to steer clear of, is because you no, know, you think one of them is going to get beat. It's always the way, and I thought the knock on Artorias, I did. Did make it my best bet for the meeting, and I think that was on the premise that we're going to get somewhere around the you know two forty two fifty price. And he's open. He opened two forty on the Wednesday, and he was the only horse that they wanted to back. And in the end, he started a dollar sixty. There was some 
scratchings, obviously. But I was, it was just getting to the point where, you know, when he was around the 180 mark on the Friday, it was getting a bit tight for a horse that was going to be back in the field. I thought he looked like he was going to win at some point, but I just think he didn't have that sustained run in him. So I'm not going to pot him because I think maybe in a in terms of the Caulfield Guineas, I think he might need a bit of pace. So he does because because he doesn't have that you know sustained sprint. He might need a bit of tempo in the race. So he can just, you know, keep going. I don't think he's got that real quick turn of foot if it's a if it's a sit and sprint or a slow tempo race. Yeah, I think with all three of them, they probably looked the winner at some point in the race. Actually, all about at the same point of the race, but none of them could quite get the job done. I thought Ayrton's run was um, one of the more disappointing ones of the three as well. It really did look like it had burst clear and was going to win that race, but taken on the line by a couple, including uh, Harbour Views, which I guess not many people would have picked. It was on track for a Cox Plate, I understand, but um, that has to be caught in the question now, I thought. Yeah, I thought they were, going, they were going to go to the Golden Eagle. I thought it was, from a personal point of view, disappointing to see Ayrton get rolled because I think Mwanga would be, I think Mwanga would beat it in a Golden Eagle. And I think because Ayrton got beat... It just means, you know, Mwanga is now the, the new Golden Eagle favourite, whereas if Ayrton had a won again at $1.50, he would have still held his place as favourite, and I would have been keen to take him on with Mwanga. Yeah, I think they're all on the watch now, mate. I don't think we're getting a $1.50 uh, about any of them next start after, after, after yesterday. But, yeah, a few un, unhappy punters early in the day there at Flemington. Yeah, um, the big spook on on the horse and, and maybe I might have fell into that as well. I mean I didn't I didn't back Ayrton because I was just thinking a dollar fifty is, you know, a bit of a silly price. But if you take Ayrton out of that race, it was still a pretty solid field. I mean, um, you know, Cherry Tortoni is a good horse, ran second in the Australian Guineas. Brigades Marie showed a bit of improved form last start and you had you know, Crosshaven as well, not sure what you're going to get with him, but I didn't think it was a, a a bad field that he was up against. So, but in saying that, I think, you think based on the hype about this horse, he should have won this race, even though he had a bit of, you know, bit of bad luck in the run and was caught three wide. I still think that he, he should have put this field away. Well, speaking of putting fields away, uh, we might go up to Kembla Grange now for a, just have a quick look at what happened up there. And the big race up there, of course, was the run to the Rose, which yeah, contained my should have backed it horse for this week, Big V. And I'm a massive fan of Animo. Was on it as a uh, as a two year old, and obviously in the Golden Slipper there. And the real, becoming a really high quality horse you can trust. And gee. $3.40 first up. I just stayed out of it because I wasn't quite sure it was a first up horse, but it's managed to, to win that race and looks to be bigger and better than ever this prep. Yeah, I was surprised when I saw that starting price, three fifty. It looks good in the end. And you know, I wanted to see how he came back because he did have the setback leading into this run. And he yeah, had got some good, you know, good opposition. You know, Remark ran well first up. Um, you had. Did JJ Atkins win a Converge? I don't think there was too many excuses from 
the rest of the field, particularly Converge, stay inside. They were really disappointing. I think Captivant went a little bit backwards from his first up run. I think Remark ran well, but, you know, he already had that run up his sleeve. I don't know how these horses are going to beat Animo now in the Golden Rose because you really couldn't find excuses for the opposition. Yeah, and I think the lesson for me from a back to perspective was I was trying to be a bit cute, you know, knowing that it didn't have first up form, uh, wanted to have a watch, but sometimes it's just a horse you should continue to back, mate, and I think Animo is one of those. So disappointed to miss it. Stay inside, mate. Have we confirmed the curse yet, or are we happy to watch it go around a couple more times? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I wouldn't be backing it yet, or, yeah, you want to see something from him. Yeah, you're closer in the run this time compared to first up and you know he's you know didn't have that finish and he's finished two and a half two and a half lengths behind the winner so i i can't see stay inside turning the tables on animo and i know you you know you've got the um, call of the golden slipper curse and it's sometimes it's tough for these two-year-olds to to develop into three-year-olds it's you know we, we just see it Regularly. Oh, look, it's it's like having, uh, you know, a teenager become a, you know, a, a 20-something and, you know, horses and, and humans uh, develop at different paces. So, yeah, having a tough two-year-old campaign can often not mean automatically you're going to be a good horse when you do get become a three-year-old or, you know, later on in your career. So it won't be the but first I, or the last time we see that, Big V. Yeah, but I don't believe in the golden slipper curse. It's just it sounds good because the, the winners of the golden slipper don't, you know, haven't gone on and won again since I think it was Piero. But you look at Animo. Animo ran second in the Golden Slipper and he had a pretty decent two-year-old campaign or a decent autumn. He ran in the, the Blue Diamond Prelude, the Blue Diamond, the Todman, the Slipper. Then he won the size produce. It was probably a good decision by James Cummings to then go for a spell after the size, then go to the Champagne. And he's come back one first up, favourite for the Golden Rose and the Caulfield Guineas. So you've got a Golden Slipper runner-up that has developed into a really good three-year-old and ingratiating, finished third in the Golden Slipper, one first up, you know, got rolled at Flemington, but I probably wouldn't be knocking ingratiating. You know, I think um, he was a forgive from Saturday. Well, one horse that's got a very impressive record all round and one impressively first up yesterday was Entrevere in the uh, the Group 2 Chicago Stakes there, where only its second Australian start uh, very impressively won that race. And look, I, I was on it, so I was, I was happy to, uh, to cheer at home, but they've decided, I think, to bypass the Everest, which I think might have been an option for it, and um, look, look to other events throughout the season. But do you think this is the type of horse that could be in an Everest? I'd, I'd say no. That's with, but that's without really looking into his figures and and the ratings from that. But I, I would say that you know I think I think the trainer is also looking at the invitation at fifteen hundred. So she does have to now step up in distance because she's got that form around the twelve hundred. She's got a second at fourteen hundred. So I would I'd say that no, probably not an Everest contender at the moment. But she's a nice mare who will, you know, win some decent races. But I don't think there's not too many 
sprint races for for mares in the in the spring. You you've got to take on the the older horses. So you know, I probably say they might step up to fourteen hundred, sixteen hundred, and and stay in mares races. Yeah, probably fair enough. And I mean, it beat some really, I think, good horses home yesterday for two, three, and second. Marbusha, uh, Written Beauty, Talier, Forbidden Love, quite a you know yeah. good selection of, of quality horses and put them away pretty easily, really, yeah. to be honest. So definitely a, a class above and, and one to keep an eye on if you are punting up there in Sydney. Yeah, and if she doesn't handle the step up in distance, you know, there's always you know, a race like maybe the Sydney Stakes, which is on the same day as the the Everest. So if she doesn't necessarily get an Everest slot, you know, maybe a race like that. But also at the end of the day, they've still got to find horses for the Everest. I think there's only about four or five confirmed horses. So there's still, you know, around seven, eight slots still available. You know, they've got to give them to some, you know, they've got to give them to someone and you, you never know. Look, um, we won't talk about the Everest too much today, given it's still a little while away, but there's uh, that field's really uh, coming together nicely, assuming everything, all the horses stay sound and everything keeps going the way it is. But, look, we'll, we might move along to horses to follow, Big V, and I'll quickly go through mine. I mean, we've mentioned Animo. I think it's a horse you can really trust. I'm not sure we're going to get a great price moving forward, though, so just have to keep an eye on that bit. Uh, a horse we are getting a good price on that I mentioned earlier was Mystic Journey. So if you're getting double fingers about her, um, I'm going to continue to jump on, uh, you know, especially based on her first up effort yesterday. And just in the last there at Flemington Big V, might have gone a bit unnoticed because these were kind of, the, I guess, the second tier. But uh, Defibrillate really finished off nicely over 1,700 there. So, look, I'm not sure it's going to be winning any of the big races, but certainly uh, we'll be keeping an eye on it as it goes around uh, over the next few weeks. Yeah, I'm going to stick with Molunga. I thought it was still a good run in the Maccabi Diva. I think there's still some big race wins in him. And I like the run away game. I think she's now ready to win in the right race. Fair enough. Well, there's a few to go with there. A number of them, I think, finished second yesterday. So maybe that's a bit of a theme for us with our horses to follow Big V. But Just on the, the horses to follow, because I think in an earlier podcast, one of the one horse I had to follow was Ana Visto. They ran second to Turath and she was scratched from the Let's Elope and I'm not too sure why. Maybe the wide barrier did draw, I think, barrier 12 or barrier 15. So if she was scratched because of the wide barrier, I'd be looking out for her name maybe next week at Caulfield if there's a suitable race. So I think um, just a reminder on Ana Visto as well. Yeah, it's a really good point, mate. Certainly that form has been franked with the win yesterday from Turath, so... Yeah, keep an eye out and hopefully we'll get a, a decent price. I know you'll be there, you know, as soon as the market's open on Wednesday, Big V, just checking it out, making sure you've locked in something something juicy there. And what we'll do, mate, uh, uh, we didn't do it this week and uh, it's, it's a bit poor of us, but we'll need to fire up that, that should have backed the Twitter handle as well with our best bets for the day. Punters might have got let off the hook last week because we probably both had Jonker in there. So maybe it was a good thing they didn't get on the uh, at should have backed it Twitter page. Now, Big V, there's a couple of little things we just need to touch on. Uh, AFL, very briefly, mate. Pretty boring prelims if you're in neutral. I think there was a combined uh, winning score of 150 points. But you declared Melbourne to me, I think, last week and earlier when we were having a chat. I assume you're not, you're not jumping off that? Yeah, I'd say with, I say so with Melbourne. The Bulldogs were impressive as well against Port Adelaide. But I haven't rated 
support Adelaide as highly as a lot of people in the media. I, I did think that, you know, they they beat. I think they beat Geelong in the last round of the season. That that was the first time they'd beaten a, some oppositional quality, and then they won the qualifying final, obviously. But I don't think they've had a a big body of work of beating, you know, quality opposition. So I still had a bit of a knock on Port Adelaide. So the Bulldogs, you know, were able to beat them quite convincingly. I wasn't expecting, you know, that sort of margin. But I just think the way Melbourne put Geelong away, I, I you know, compared it to like a horse having a barrier trial. They really didn't get out of first gear or second gear. I think the, the team that Port Adelaide beat, funnily enough, in that round 23 clash was the Bulldogs. But again, I think, you know, I think Luke Beveridge has proven himself as an amazing coach what he's been able to do with them, not just this year, but obviously in 2016. You don't see many teams do it the hard way, finish out the tie the, the top four and not only make the grand final, but in 2016's case, win it. So I think they've just had an amazing effort. Obviously just took the foot off the gas for the last few rounds of the year, cost them a top four, but they've still managed to, to get through. And yeah, Port Adelaide, uh, you've been a big... Uh, you haven't been a fan of Port Adelaide, it's fair to say, from about day one this year. I'm not sure what you've quite got against the good people of Port Adelaide, but you've been proven right in the end, I suppose, Big V. Well, I don't think it's just been this year. It's been last year as well, and I don't have anything against Port Adelaide. It's just they've been talked up as premiership contenders for the last two, three years, and I don't think there's really been a lot of substance about them. I was surprised that they finished top two. When you look at the the run they had, they did play you know, a lot of teams outside that top eight that enabled them to finish top two. Yeah, and look, if you're ever going to win a flag and get a good run, it was this year and last year for Port, and probably your mob last year as well, Brisbane. Yeah. So um, hopefully they haven't missed out on that. I don't think they have. They've got some very good players still coming through that team. Uh, speaking of good players in teams, Big V, we we mentioned late last week the Super Coach Racing was going to be launched. Now, I must have missed the, the parade down uh, Flinders Street because I, I didn't notice that it had been, but you, I'm reliably informed uh, we're ready to go. Yeah, no parade, Phil, because we've been in lockdown for the past... Ever. How long have we been now? <laughs> I, I've lost count how many lockdowns we've had. So, yeah, no parade this time. Maybe next year when we get out of it. But, yeah, the Supercoach Racing is up and running and round one is the Turnbull Stakes, so you still have got about two, three weeks to sign up and register your team. And what's in it for me, Big V? Do I, do I win some cash or something, or like, how do I prove that I'm the, the racing expert? You, yes, there's some prizes available, $10,000 oh. main prize for having the, the highest score at the end of the eight-round season, and there's also a weekly prize for the highest-scoring team for the round, which is worth minimum 500 up to 1000 if you got a subscription. All right, mate, we might have to pick your brain about how all this works in another podcast uh, as we get closer to Turnbull, because I'm keen to get involved in a bit of that. But uh, that's all we've got time for. Thank you for listening. Thanks, Big V, for giving us your, uh, your analysis of yesterday's big race meeting and a few horses to follow moving into a big meeting at Caulfield. Uh, coming up and um, to everyone else thanks for listening and good luck on the punt